Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. Thanks for following along with us on Periscope on the underscore Barnburner Twitter account. And today we're going to talk about the Grizzlies, fresh off their longest win streak in a pretty long time, falling on MLK Day to the Pelicans uh, in a disappointing game, but uh, it, was, it was a good, uh, good win streak that we had going. That was fun. Uh, but I am Zach. You can find me on Twitter at BarnBurnerBro. Today with me, I have Mason and Sam. And how are you guys doing? Doing well, man. It's a little chilly in California. It's in the 50s, but uh, other than that, I'm doing well. What's up, Sam? Hey, man, I'm good. Uh, things are going well. The Been in the film room, kind of rewatching all the Oscar movies, and we'll probably do a, a podcast on predictions of what we expect to happen in some of the bigger categories, so... Uh, like the theater and college hoops guys say, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. You, know, you need to get back in the film room and, and do your do your research, uh, get ahead of the game, and that way on game day you're prepared. You're ready to go. <laughs> Speaking of theater and college hoops, that's another podcast on the Barnburner Podcast Network, which is where you can find the Backdoor Cut show with what you're listening to currently. And you can subscribe to that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those cool places. All right, guys, let's jump in. Last week, Grizzlies played three games, since we last talked, I should say, uh, yeah. starting with the Rockets. Uh, Mason, what were your takeaways from that game? Oh, well, the main takeaway is there was like five John Morant viral moments. Uh, the first being when Harden was guarding him and kind of backed off of him and Ja pulled a three, runs down the court yelling, you better tell that motherfucker about me. Uh, as if James Harden doesn't know who John Moran is. Uh, so that was the first moment that went viral. Then we had uh, the pa- the pass where Crowder tried to throw a oop to Ja, and Ja couldn't quite convert it in the dunk. 
hit Jaron flying down the lane for a left-handed tomahawk jam. Then, of course, Ja connected on an oop from Jay, uh, which went viral. And then to close the game out, Ja hit Harden with a step back, some of his own medicine, just as kind of the, the dagger. I think that's when Pete hit the uh, hammer nail coffin, this baby's over. Uh, ja finished that game with 26-8-5 on 10 of 11 shooting, just like a maestro performance. Uh, that That's one of those games when the Chris Paul comparisons really, you're like, damn, but like he does kind of play like Chris Paul. Uh, and then uh, James Harden, he had 41 for the Rockets, but – he was only 13 and 37 shooting. So anytime that happens, I think you just like, that's a, that's a win for us. Uh, 13 and 37 from their star player. You'll take that all day. And of course I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our boy Dilly buckets who had 24 points in this game uh, and just kept his streak of when he scores 20 plus, uh, in the Grizzlies win. Uh, it, unfortunately, it came to an end Monday, but we'll get to that later on. So that was the Rockets game. Uh, just a nice win. Houston was up 37-32 at the end of the first, and the young Grizz just controlled it pretty much from there and uh, answered every run that Houston tried to make. So th- that was the Rockets game. Uh, then we had Cleveland on Thursday, Friday? On Friday, I believe. Yeah, big game Friday. We had we have a, uh, a situation where we had the Murray State fans coming to town. You know, we have the, the Grizzlies had celebrated an evening where they, they had a, a fan night for Jaws alma mater, uh, which is the, the Murray State College, the Racers. Uh, so it's a small kind of mid-major school, and they had, you know, four, four – well, I think there was 1,200 fans that came in at least, and they kind of like adopted one of the sections in the lower bowl actually right, bear, right by where I sat. So they were super pumped the whole time. And they were having a really good time. I think a lot of them, you know, haven't been to a lot many NBA games, I have to imagine. But they came in town to see their boy. A couple things apparent. Like, th- this kid has a just a weird following, you know, unlike probably any of the Grizzlies players we've ever had. He, he's got sort of a cult-like following. And any place he plays or any group of people he's around just continue to follow his career almost cult-like. You know, they, they really do follow him throughout. And they want to, you know, they sort of adopted the Grizzlies now. We have this entire new fan base in Kentucky. So, those fans were awesome, and that was really cool to see. Uh, the game itself was really exciting. You know, Josh so far has had a couple of moments where he's had, like, some near highlight moments. We've seen these these situations where he's, like, had a crazy almost dunk. You know, he jumped over Kevin Love in the previous meeting. Uh, he, he's nearly finished a couple dunks that would have shut NBA Twitter down. But in this game, you know, we actually saw a dunk finally finished that I think was kind of the one we've been waiting on. I mean, I guess – the next thing we're waiting on is him to finish something like this over someone, a big man. Uh, but this, you know, this was a, a kind of a classic situation where any time when you're watching the Grizzlies these days, you see a, us on the fast break and you see anyone but Ja with the ball, you always look for where Ja is. And there's a 90% chance he's streaking down the sideline and looking for the backdoor cut. Shout out backdoor cut. I'm sure he's a big Woo-hoo. fan. Uh, and he, this situation, it was Jay Crowder had the ball, you know, on, on a fast break and, uh, Jock crept up down the baseline and um, jumped up, and Jay delivered a, you know, a, pa- a pass that not a lot of guards could go get. But you know, this isn't just any guard. And Jaw goes up, and he he has recently kind of been going up with two hands just to make sure he doesn't make a fool of himself. And he, he he's one of those guys I think that would rather finish the play and get the points than be showy. Although we like he likes to be showy too. But in this situation, he caught it with one hand purposely and tomahawked that hoe down, and it, it was something. 
that brought the entire stadium to their feet. It was exactly what the Murray State fans had come to see, uh, both to support their their boy and then also to see something like that, which they saw regularly and you know at Murray State. So that was a, that was a cool little moment. The game itself was actually closer than than we wanted it to be. It, it, it was a situation where Cleveland, terrible team, you know, like a twelve one team, I believe, entering this game. They're kind of one of the bottom feeders of the league. And they've just been through a bunch of stuff. Kevin Love, you know, notably kind of freaking out about being there and not liking it and throwing a dipper tantrum on the court, which was something to behold. Colin Sexton went off. Uh, and this is actually a pretty close game. But like Chris Harrington said, and I thought it was pretty pretty apt, this team now is, is kind of good enough to where, like, they're playing down to bad teams. Like, there's a clear difference in the hierarchy. We're not a bad team. And we saw this team kind of come out a little bit lackadaisical uh, in the first half, was down, you know, two, I think, at half. And then fought back at the end of the game and ended up taking home the win. Uh, but it was a situation where, I mean, yeah, we saw a team that it was on a winning streak and decided to turn it on, and we saw a totally different team. Uh, Alfonso McKinney was unfortunately the player that stops the other highlight of the game. Alfonso McKinney also, like, a plus 20 in this game, um, just had an insane game, and I feel like kind of might be the kryptonite to what, what we hope to be the awesome Jaren-Ja combo, which is like a super hyper-athletic long big man that can just kind of roam around and stop jaws penetration. And then, you know, I don't know, like I, I just, he was everywhere and you could tell that the guys didn't know how to figure him out. We figured out Kevin Love because he's not very mobile, but when we have a guy like that, that can just roam around. It, it was tough on, on John Jaron to get into their flow. I noticed, um, but Ja like drove into the paint, uh, Larry Nance walled up and then Ja was, I mean, he was already at this point, like head near the rim. Uh, he was going to dunk the ball, but then once Larry Nance walled up, he realized that the only thing he could do was pass it. Uh, because his body was contorted in a way that he was facing the rim, he literally flipped around and then delivered a behind the back pass to Jaron, who went up and almost finished the dunk, but then McKinney, McKinney fucked that up. Uh, either way, those two highlight moments, I think are kind of like little microcosms about how exciting the season's been. And, um, you know, otherwise, like, I mean, everyone had a, a pretty good game. I don't think there was anyone that was notably bad. Uh, Colin Sexton had a really good game for the Cavs. I noticed he he was just hitting every shot. Was not impressed by Darius Garland. Um, but they played the shit out of their rookies over there. Uh, and uh, Matthew Delvadova forgot he played basketball. Terrible shot on that guy. Um, but, yeah, it was a fun night. It was a fun night for Murray State. It was a fun night for Grand City. Cool, I'm back. Sorry for the technical difficulties, but uh, yep. So <laughs> just hop right back in and guess where you guys have uh, what you've covered so far. You were about to talk about the Pelicans. Yeah. So no one that... knew you were gone. <laughs> oh man, y'all didn't even <laughs> tell anyone. Dang. No, I drew a stick figure of you like under a little cubicle thing, so oh, we couldn't good. tell. Yeah. So so that was like the the cover photo for me. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right, Pelicans. So uh, first quarter wasn't too bad. Grizzlies hung in there. Only down one point through one quarter, but uh, second quarter was just pretty pretty tough to swallow. New Orleans scored 38 points compared to Memphis's 20. Memphis went ice cold. Uh, Drew Holiday couldn't couldn't miss for the game. He was seven of ten from beyond the arc with 36 points. Uh, that was tough. We threw a lot of different guys at him, but he was just hitting. Uh, he was hitting over. He dropped off Melton, Dylan Brooks, and they weren't like they were all challenge shots. They weren't they were contested. They weren't gimmies. They weren't open three point shots like we were giving Nicola Melli. So that guy he hit a, a three three pointers 
because Jonas just cannot get out of the paint. Like he's like, this is where I play defense. Uh, I'm not. I can't leave here. And that's probably something to watch out for. Is Memphis really struggling when other teams have fives that can stretch the floor? That makes it really challenging for Jonas, just because he's not he's not super mobile in on the defensive end. Uh, so that was that was challenging and kind of a frustrating area. Also, Brandon Ingram had 25 points, and pretty much those three guys just lit us up for the game. New Orleans hit. 21 three-pointers of 48. So shot 44% from beyond the arc compared to, uh, let's see, Memphis's 27%. That's pretty much the moral of the story. Memphis made 9 of 33 compared to 21 of 48. So Memphis, very hard for them to beat, beat anyone when they shoot that poorly from beyond the arc. But you knew a game like that was going to have to come, so... It just kind of sucked that it was the TNT game uh, in prime time. And the game itself just did not have a whole lot of flow. For the most part, the most exciting thing from the people in the stands was the Grizz grannies and grandpas. That got way more of a cheer than anything that happened on the basketball court, which was kind of sad when that happened. But I like turned to Sam and I was like, dude, that was the loudest this place has been mm-hmm. just with that. Oh, and, until the Anthony Melton tried to bring us back. Yeah, in the in the fourth quarter at the very end, um, some of the Grizzlies started playing, including John Morant. I, I want to say he was one of seventeen or one of seven for the first three quarters, and in the last quarter he was four of seven. So he he started playing in the fourth, but for the most part he was kind of invisible the whole game. He wasn't really getting much done and. Um, up until the fourth quarter. Dilly Buckets was pretty much holding down the offensive end of things. 12 of 25 from the field, 31 points. Uh, he, he took some four shots, but honestly, the offense kind of started to look like the Tigers' offense a little bit. There was a lot of standing around on occasion, and uh, Dylan kind of took it into his own hands, as he is not afraid to do, and put up some ill-advised shots, but... Also hit a lot of shots, um, but really wanted the lone bright spots. And can we talk about Dylan's response to reporters after the game uh, when they <laughs> when they uh, brought up the stat about him scoring more than twenty points in a game and the Grizzlies had won whatever it was twelve or something thirteen or something yeah. and then and we lost and and he said and I scored thirty. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. I- I couldn't tell if that was just him like wanting to be accurate or whether that was him like saying no. the stat still lives or whether he was just being like a, a Dylan Brooks type. I guy. think he was make sure you count all my points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had thirty one, so hopefully he didn't short himself. Yeah, actually he said he was wrong. Yeah, give him that extra okay. one. Every point's did. gonna go towards that uh re upping of his contract this summer. Yeah, I would like to point out too that during the lineup when you know Dylan starts and then says year three out of Oregon, Zach pointed out that his plan is to have one child every year he's in the NBA. Uh, so shout, shout out Dylan. He's well on his way. Consistency is key, uh, and you know if that's if that's part of your preseason prep. Then my dude, go ahead. You're about to get paid. So you can pay that child support. Yeah, I mean Dylan was great until like we had got it within five and he jacked a shot like immediately down the court. It was like two minutes left and there's plenty of time. He like jacked a shot and I was like, "Damn it, Dylan!" But you live and die with that with him. 
and and the Grizzlies have been living for the past, you know, two three weeks off of it. So you you knew it was due for. Yeah, he's been good, man. I mean, I don't know if we're going to talk at some point about re-signing him. I think we are, and we're going to pair him to the Royce O'Neal extension. But I, I do want to talk about Jay Crowder really quick. And uh, I, I mean, I, I think like at this point we have to ask is, is he actually good? I, or, I mean, is he good for this team? Is he, does he really help us other than, of course, you know, we understand the guys seem to like him. You know, the young guys call him boss man. They're always commenting on his Twitter and his, his Instagram. You could tell there's like some sort of social media interaction. So presumably they like each other. He hasn't been good. I mean, the one game we point to is that Clippers game where he came alive. Um, he's had like four of those, I feel like, in, in 40 games Zach, or whatever. Zach and I tried to remember the the games he he's actually played a factor in us winning. And the Clippers one we thought of, and then there was like one other one. But like The Nets, when he hit the game-winning shot. When he hit the literal, I don't know he literally he hit the, the game the winner. Game, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was like 0 for, for that whole game, and he hit that one shot, which obviously he literally won us a game. Okay. But otherwise, I, I just I, I struggle to think about games where he's actually played a factor other than just missing a ton of threes. I mean, he misses a lot of shots. I know he's, like, kind of brought in the culture of let that shit fly or whatever. But, like, also, like, it's not let that shit brick, you know? So, uh, it's, it's, it's been tough to watch. And it's, there's, been, there's, one, there's one game where he also had a couple steals late and a couple lay-ins, kind of change, maybe that Spurs game where he changed a little bit of the momentum. So there's, like, yeah, moments. Yeah, in the third quarter, yeah. When but I, I just really don't understand how he should have, you know, take anyone's minutes than, like, then uh, I mean Dylan Brooks like plays a lot of minutes too, but I, I really don't I really don't I, I don't know I, I'm just throwing it out there right Are we sure that he's any good? I I, I think you you're right on uh, on the court wise. I don't think this team will suffer if we deal Jay Crowder. You know I I think we're probably even better uh, with Kyle Anderson or DeAnthony Melton soaking up more of those minutes. Uh, he's had he had 21 against the Lakers at home. Uh, the game that we almost won, remember? Yeah. Uh, then he had 20 against the Clippers at home, a game that we lost. Uh, then he had the 27 against the Clippers, and he had 19 against Sacramento. So, yeah, that, that, that's about it. Bro trying to get traded to the – he's trying to get he's traded. He's trying to go to the West Coast. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, if, if that's the case, he's purposely gaming the system and, like, trying to go to – one of those teams that's like, dude, just play well every time, man. Like, nah, he's just uh, streaky. Yeah. <laughs> he can't help it. I, I know. Uh, yeah, like, okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. you remember when he got traded to Cleveland and he sucked? I mean, half of that was because he's streaky as hell, but ha- and half of that is because he still hated LeBron and Cleveland uh, and just was, like, spiteful uh, about being on the team before he got traded to Utah, I think. Uh, but that's just who he is, and he's still a coveted role player. <laughs> TJ yeah. from Twitter wants to point out that Bossman maybe his one of his biggest accomplishments was getting Tristan Thompson ejected <laughs> by walking. Oh, Tristan Thompson thought that was a Kardashian walking by him, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Smack that ass. <laughs> what, Tristan Thompson, what the hell? That yeah, was awesome. That was wild. I mean, it was a dick move. He was definitely being a dick. He wasn't trying to say, like, you've been playing good, Jay, or something like that, because they've been yeah. going back and forth all game, talking, yeah. staring each other down. But, uh, yeah, Jay did contribute to that, so appreciate that. A couple of key numbers on Crowder that stuck out to me is that from the field, he's only shooting 37%, and from three, 29% on over six attempts per game. So that's not great. That, the, that, thing, the, the thing that stands out to me is, I mean, yeah, those are terrible stats too, but he just like eye test wise, and I'm, I'm the eye test, I'm the big picture guy. You guys, you know, you, good with your <laughs> stats, and I, I come in with the big picture. Like he, 
we have a we have a guard that distributes extremely well, like better than you know top ten distributor in the NBA. And I don't have any stats for that, but this is, I'm a big picture guy, so he's to me he's a top ten distributor. Uh, and uh, so you know, a lot of guys, including Dylan, I think it started to play better is because he gets so many good looks. You know, like in like in the pocket, in rhythm threes. Once Jaw drives in, collapses the defense, delivers the pass like right to their shooting pocket. And you so you'd think that Jay would take more of those shots. Most of his threes are these weird dribble handoff where he just like the, the, his man is kind of fighting over the screen and he shoots it anyway as if to get himself going and it's like dude you don't have to do that you know like he his a lot of his shots are just really bad threes um i know we roast dylan a lot for that but to be honest with you like he makes Jay, like some of them he makes some of them like jay doesn't make any of them and i mean I, I would love to know how many of the threes he's made are like assisted you know or, or like are like good the kind of threes we want our our three and D wing to take, uh, but that's there's, just there's a staff that, for that. Yeah, you can look that up. Actually, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm saying I would love to know that. Is that I'm not going to look that you up. You would love someone else. To gotcha. <laughs> Correct. I would like you. I need you to be on stats guy. I need you to go and data mine. Put on your hat, your little mining hat, and turn the light on and get down there in basketball reference and or wherever you find this stuff. And it, I would know. go to NBA stats for that one. Well, that's exactly why you're the stats guy, and I'm the big picture guy. Oh boy! All right, so. Uh, in some news last week, Tony Allen uh, was announced—not really announced, but it was—it came out that he's going to be a player development coach for the Hustle. What do you guys think about that? They had a press release. That's an announcement. Oh, was there a press release? Okay, yeah, I missed I mean, that. It, it's legit. He, he didn't like just start showing up to Hustle practice. Like it's legit. They just gave him some swag, and he just like <laughs> pretends like he works there. Uh, it's cool, man. I mean, that, obviously, like it's good to have him around the, the team. Uh, now in an official capacity as well, not just on on Verno's show. Um, and so, if anyone can teach, was he player? Is he player development? Is that what he is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't actually. Is there is there a similar position for the Grizzlies? Is that Tayshon? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, Tayshon's in the front office. Uh, player development guys are usually unknown. They're they're like below assistant coaches for the most part. They're okay. like guys working to become assistant coaches. Okay. Okay. So he's like kind usually of younger guys, path. but yeah. Yeah. Uh, former players is another kind of avenue too. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, he, 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 you know, he's obviously one of the toughest guys and commands respect with any sort of any sort of NBA circles. We've seen him kind of be on the in the media too. He's been on Get Up a couple times. We've seen him on NBA TV. They they had him on the broadcast for the uh, Rockets game. Uh, so I, I think uh, he's he's figuring out his post playing career and seems to be excelling. So so shout out shout out Tony. Yeah, and I mean, the guy's just got a passion for the game that you can feel. Uh, and him being around the team, like even when he's just at the Grizzlies games, it seems like he brings another energy into FedEx form, uh, that grindhouse type of energy almost. Anytime he's shown on the Jumbotron or even like he's a he's a spectacle on his own during the game just to watch him flail his arms and like cheer for the team. Or if somebody gets dunked on, like he's he's acts like he's at a street ball game in Rucker Park. Uh, yeah. Just and, and like you mentioned, all the media, it's great that he's officially back associated with the Grizzlies organization. It's just a great marketing move, honestly, for the Grizzlies and a great move basketball wise. Uh, we'll see what he becomes as a coach. We know that he is uh, he's been coaching at these NBA top 100 camps for several years while he was playing. He recently talked to the NBA uh, PA and league offices about starting a elite defensive camp for top high school players like Kobe has an offensive skills camp. So Tony's trying to uh, do the same thing with defense. 
Um, so he's well connected. Uh, he, he does have little experience in these camp type situations. And I'm excited to see what he brings as a coach. And I, if he's the assistant coach in 10 years for the Grizzlies or he's the color commentator, uh, I, I'd be happy with either one. Yeah, and you mentioned that like Memphis for Memphis Grizzlies, he's exciting. I think that's just Memphis basketball in general. He's at a Tigers game and they put the jumbotron on him, and no less reaction than if it was a Grizzlies game. So he is like truly embodying Memphis basketball. So it's great yeah. to have him in a official capacity. The uh, he told the story about Tom Crean like came up to him and got real yeah. hype and gave him a hard ass high five. <laughs> And Tony didn't know who the hell he was. <laughs> He's like <laughs> looking at his security guy. Like, who the hell is this dude? <laughs> he says something about like he shows his players film of Tony every day or something, which yeah. is like the kind of stuff that Tom Cream would say and definitely not do. Like he probably <laughs> right. has never done that ever. But like <laughs> anyway, yeah. mentioned him one time, like to one person at yeah. lunch or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every day I show, like, they're all, like, in the film room watching Tony Allen highlights. It didn't look like it, but they beat our ass. Yeah. So, Mason, you talked about this a couple weeks ago, or you called it or suggested it, that Ja officially came out and said he is not going to do the slam dunk contest, even though he was extended an offer. That's kind of what you said he probably should do. So that's where we are. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mason, speak on the uh, the – kind of the dunk contest, the aura around it in the league, and sort of why this might have been a good move to not do that. While, while we understand he would be an exciting dunker, and it's good to have your, your young guys at All-Star Weekend. I mean, the main thing is just that superstars don't participate in the dunk contest anymore. Um, and he's a superstar, um, so he shouldn't participate in the dunk contest. I mean, you've got a washed-up Dwight Howard participating and then you've kind of got these gimmicky guys like Derek Jones Jr., who they try to get to participate every year, who can dunk the hell out of the ball, but he's he's not a superstar-level player, although he is becoming a really solid role player for the Heat. Um, so it just didn't make sense for him to do it. I'm not sure where like the injury stuff came from, because I can't think of anyone who's gotten hurt participating in the dunk contest in the past. Um, but it does. If you want to win, which Ja probably would, you do have to put in extra reps in practice. And I mean, I'm sure Ja dunks before and after practice all the time. But just the amount of uh, energy you have to exert to do some of those dunks that he would be trying in the slam dunk contest, it's just not worth it. Especially because he's going to be participating in the Rising Stars game. Um, and potentially even in the all-star game, uh, if the coaches were to vote him in, I mean, I think that's highly unlikely, but it is not out of the question. A couple injuries here and there, we still got a few weeks. Anything can happen when it comes to that. So, uh, superstars don't do the dunk contest. I mean, really some of the best dunk contests around the world are not even in the NBA. It's like some of these guys off the street at Venice beach or whatever, who can just jump insanely high and all they do is practice dunking. Yeah, I think there will be a pretty good entertainment value in the Rising Stars. Like, he's going to have several highlight reel dunks, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, that game is going to be fun as hell. That's probably going to be one of the better Rising Stars games. I hope so. Uh, Last year, I tried to watch it. It was pretty tough to watch. Jaron didn't really play much, so it was kind of... Yeah, they didn't really like use his his strength. He wasn't really shooting it like he is this season yet either. At that oh, point. He's gonna let it fly this year. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be like I assume that him, him and Giles start, and so that would be awesome to see them. Maybe that we'll get some synergy to leave the Grizzlies and go, go into that team. Um, I, I think, I mean, like look at Levine and Gordon. You know that the most recent notably good dunk contest. Two guys that like. Gordon, especially, you thought he was going to be a future all-star and kind of injuries have derailed that. There's some, almost some sort of weird, like, bad luck thing when you're in the dunk contest now. It's like, you know, Levine, I don't think his career has progressed like how he would like it to. There's always injuries these questions. Well. Yeah. yeah, there's always these questions about whether he you know, is an all-star. And, like, there's some – and people all, with him, they always associate him with that dunk contest and not yeah. with, like, how he's putting up 25 a game and, like, playing really fucking well. Um, as a player, but I, I, there's something about it that I think is just like, it kind of discredits you from the get go. And I, I like, I, I'm sure Jaws team was like, I mean, you know, do what you want, dude, but here's like kind of the, what we think about it, his media team and all that. So yeah, shout shouts to them. Cause I, that's, if, if he asked me what he should have done, I would have said this and it sounds like we would have as well. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like marketing one-on-one, you know, you yeah. can't sell, sell yourself short, but uh, to Gordon and Levine's credit, that was the best dunk contest in like recent memory. <laughs> Cause I mean, it was fucking awesome. Since, since I, I mean, in the past 10 years of watching it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't ever, I didn't watch the, obviously the Vince Carter one. Like, I don't remember that. Like I've seen right. footage of it after the fact, but like that, I guess that those two are kind of the ones that people talk about. Yeah. But yeah, Will, dunk contest Will, awesome. Will Barton was in that one too. Uh, got put out in the first round. Shit, tough year to be in it, man. Yeah, well, the yeah. difference was those guys put in a lot of work, it seemed like, for their first couple of dunks, and Thrill just showed up to to dunk. <laughs> <laughs> so along with the Grizzlies' recent success has come a lot of, I don't know if you want to call them bandwagon fans, but more, more, uh, more fans joining the Grizzlies Nation or becoming – more interested in the Grizzlies, uh, just on social media. There's a lot more of a buzz. Obviously, Jaw is the main component to that. But by my count, just kind of perusing through Reddit, found some interesting stories. We got East Coast Canada, some guy that liked the Nets, now Grizzlies fan, someone that followed Westbrook, someone from Nashville, someone in Germany, someone from the who is a Knicks fan is bailing on them, coming to be a Memphis fan. Don't bring that juju over here, though. We don't. I don't want to be associated with that necessarily, but it's kind of cool that people are coming from all over noticing the Grizzlies and starting to follow us. Hopefully us specifically as in like this podcast right here, but mainly the Grizzlies. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So (laughs) Sam, do you have any, do you have any hard feelings about Zion? What's so funny? I just uh, I was wondering what that was in the uh, oh, I just wanted in, to point in the out. document yeah no line yeah. Yeah. yeah okay uh so Zion did not play <laughs> against Memphis he is going to play against the Spurs on Wednesday yeah how do you feel about that Sam I think it's super awesome that he did that uh I think uh <laughs> the, I, I, I mean I tweeted it like I, I realized that the ultimately his employer the front office was probably like dude don't play and whatever like, you got to do that uh but the reason behind him not playing was that so he didn't have to play on the road um at a at a team that was you know at the time kind of playing their best basketball and some of the best basketball in the league against his fellow rookie phenom uh he didn't want to have that be his first game back him look out of shape or get dunked on by jaw as it turns out it would have been a good game to come back 
he could have played part in the demolishment of the Grizzlies and uh, maybe one of the worst jock games we've seen so far. Um, but the the reason given initially was that he didn't want to play on national TV. The Pelicans didn't want him to. Well, what the NBA do is they said like, <laughs> oh shit, Zion's coming back. We're going to air like 30 commercials about this one guy like coming to play in a regular season game versus a terrible Spurs team or terrible for the Spurs, right? Like it, it's it's wild the circus that surrounds this kid. And I mean, the, even before the game, there were people watching him dunk uh, in Memphis, and and you know he was like kind of talking to fans and whatnot. Obviously, seems like a great kid, but I gotta say, man, this kid, he's just he's a big kid. Like he 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 he's he has visibly gained weight since he's been out, and naturally so, right? I mean, like you're not playing NBA basketball, you're not burning like three thousand calories. A he's day. sleeping on the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's falling asleep on the bench. Like people making blood sugar jokes. It's hard out here for Zion. Uh, and and every out every outfit he's in, like, is the least flattering outfit that I've ever seen. Like he wears black, and it still looks like he's fat. It's like, dude, <laughs> that's hard. Like, cause black's a slimming color. Uh, I'm just worried about it, man. Like, obviously, like, I, it's in his best interest to to continue. It's in the league's best interest for him to be good and keep playing. He was incredible in preseason. But if I got to watch one more highlight of him, like ripping the ball away from fucking Kevin Knox and summer league, like as if that's means anything, like I, I don't give a shit about that. Like he hasn't played a fucking minute of NBA basketball yet. Like let's, let's wait for him to be good before we crown him. Like the new, I don't know, whatever LeBron or whatever, like we, before we hand the keys, to the league over. So are you going to tune in tomorrow? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so how many games will he have to play before people are how many good games will he have to play this game. before everyone is like if he has a good game know, wednesday come back and yeah. be a rookie of the year it's possible yeah, yeah. and then and then i'm gonna every, be triggered by that not gonna lie for sure that's gonna really john would have to be hurt right no Should, dude yeah. yes that's logically so but you you remember <laughs> like the, the logic goes out the window when it comes to zion for some reason like and i think you know Suddenly the Pelicans are on TV so much and no one cares about the Pelicans, but like just him gets them on TV 30 times. Yeah. Uh, and and I mean, it, that's even just a bad stadium to show. Cause it's like, no one's ever there. So it's not yeah. even like a fun, <laughs> so literally just that one kid it was bringing all those national TV attention. I, if he starts playing well, which I mean, there's no reason to think he won't other than the fact that he needs to get his, his uh, glucose up or whatever, like before the game. But he's going to play well and there's going to be an immediate movement about it. And then we're going to have all his talking heads discussing the amount of games you have to play in order to be considered rookie of the year. Um, just like they do the all-star game. Some people factor that in, some people don't. But to me, if you don't play half the season, like you just, there's just no reasonable. And, and same thing of Ja. Ja had missed and was just starting now and Zion had had the year that Ja has had so far. I'd be like, well, dude, yeah, obviously he's going to win. Like, and that's just the way it is. But I think Zion's going to quickly cause a lot of those talking heads to to go back on things they've done before to figure out a way to creatively sneak him in uh, and make this a, a two horse race. Which obviously it's in the league's best interest for it to be a two horse race. I mean, right? Like no one is Jaws right now. He's running away with it. They try to make Kendrick not a thing, and then Jaw like says on national television, "Tell him it's my rookie year <laughs> to lose," you know, uh, or not on national television, but that goes viral. And you know, I mean, he's literally like demolished everyone that's like you know sort of tried to step up. And challenge him. So um, the league hopes that Zion, I think, is is what we is what he thought we was. Yeah. But anyway, that's. I mean, that, uh, I'm excited to see Zion. It's crazy that they like had to teach him how to walk. Uh, Dude, I'm you know. telling you, this guy's not gonna ha- like. He's gonna get hurt, and he's not gonna. You just know it, right? Like, 
Yeah, it definitely seems like that. Uh, if you're betting, if you uh, like, has to be like what minus seven hundred on him be having like an awesome career. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not Vegas man. <laughs> they just take my money. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the Pelicans team in general is is getting more fun. Uh, people are hopping back on the Brandon Ingram bandwagon. Yeah, no, Brandon Ingram's fucking nasty. And Alonzo Ball bandwagon. Uh, and then I mean, if Drew Holiday is gonna just professionally kick ass like he did last night, uh, they're gonna they're gonna be fighting for that eighth spot with us. It's crazy how quickly a, a lead uh, in the standings can dissolve. It seemed like just the other day we had like a two-game lead, and now it's down to a half game over the Spurs. What's up, man? Shit. We got to get some wins. We got uh, Boston tomorrow and then at Detroit. So you got to hope we can split that that road trip. Yeah, D-Rose hooping. Don't, I, I, we never win in Boston, like, even when they were bad for that like couple years. Yeah. Um, when they acquired oh. the, the treasure chest of picks. Uh, it's just it's just one of those things. Like that's just a tough. Game. I'd love to see these kids go up there and get a win, though. I mean that the Garden's yeah. like one of those historic basketball stadiums. It's so, a good young team too. Maybe maybe a couple guys sit out for the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I, and maybe hopefully Jay Crowder sits out too. Um, yeah. Oh man, but uh, you mentioned D Rose. That I just envision him eating us up in the pick and oh, roll for sure. And JB standing under the basket, <laughs> like D Rose just floating it right in all yeah. night. That's all he's been doing too. He's been so good. Like he's been getting past everyone at will. He he is going to torture Jaw for sure. Uh, and yeah, you're right. He's going to have like that eight foot floater, like buckets all night. Yeah, a probably going to. Have... Well, they got Drummond, right? So like, so maybe it'll some, maybe there's like a match, some sort of matchup equivalence there. You know, they won't maybe they won't play like small ball and torch us like like the Pellies did, but we'll see. Yeah, man. Uh, Brandon Ingram would be a good fit next to John Jaron. He sure would, man. The best of fits, I think. <laughs> let's uh, yeah, let's let's offer him that money and then not get him. But still, let's offer him. Let's start making swings. Let's show the young guys we're trying to make moves for him. I feel like that matters. So you mentioned playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> So 538 now <laughs> has us up from 8, 8% chance to 10% chance to make the playoffs. Ooh, so we, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, throughout the 8%, but it's now up to 10%. Yeah, it's good. And contract news, Royce O'Neal of the Jazz, he agreed to a four-year $36 million contract extension. And so he uh, – What, 36? What did I say? You said 46. Oh yeah, thirty six. So nine million a year for four years, and a lot of people are saying that this is something that we should look at, kind of setting a precedent for what the Grizzlies are going to have to pay for Dylan Brooks this summer, kind of setting a base expectation. Which, if you'd asked us at the beginning of the year, which I think we did, and we talked about it, we were talking in that mid level exception range is what we'd want to pay Dylan, which is somewhere <laughs> in that like eight to ten. Well, he's played long his, gone. Yeah, he, he's played himself way above that. And Royce O'Neal, who's currently averaging six and five uh, in a un, little under 30 minutes per night, is, is <laughs> That's about fucking to get, crazy. Is gonna get nine million. We're gonna have to pay Dylan like a max, dude. So Yeah, Royce has been solid when he's in the starting lineup, but he ain't been busting people's ass like Dylan. Like. Dylan's yeah, I mean <laughs> shit. And, and, and that, I mean, I think this is sort of the segue into like 
we're going to have to pay Dylan. We all know it. I mean, I don't, I, I, a lot of people, though, while the three of us have sort of resigned ourselves to it because we focus on these contracts so much that when we see numbers like that, it's not like, oh, fuck to us as much as maybe other people. But I will say just kind of the general consensus of the fans are like, we can't pay Dylan. He's a ball stopper. He He's not worth, what, you know, 15, 60 million a year, whatever the numbers that are being thrown out there are. And my retort, I think all three of our retorts to that is like, we always complain about not having a guy that can shoot three like Dylan does and has been this year in a system that's like working for his in favor of his style of basketball. He plays fucking hard every night. Like we see the guys mail it in versus the Pellies, and he's the only guy out there trying uh, or, or trying to will his team to a win. Um, that that level of intensity that he plays with often leads to those bad possessions, but at least it comes from a good place seemingly, you know. Um, so that, I think you, you, you have to, while we have this guy on our team, he's what, 23, 24 years old, a four or five year deal. We'll have him for the entirety of his prime. Um, and, uh, he, he's honestly probably our best defender as well. So it, it, besides like to play significant minutes, like Danthe Melton, arguably, you know, the best defender pound for pound and height. Um, but you know what I mean? So I, I think we just need to go ahead and get realistic about the fact that, we have cap space and we need to pay guys that are playing well for us and enjoy playing with the personnel that we have. And obviously what's working now is this group. And there's no reason to, if we can't do it, if we can keep continuity. I think that's well said. Uh, earlier today we got, uh, I guess this is like part of Twitter corner. This will, this will be the highlight of Twitter corner today. Okay. All right, so Sam, you, you sent this to us today. Uh, Kirk Goldsberry, who, Famously wrote Sprawl Ball about how, uh, a basketball book, a lot of charts about how the league is changing to be more of a three-point game. Uh, tweeted out a chart of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s shooting. Let's see. And we've talked about how incredible Jaron is, right? And so everyone's noticed it. He's one of the top four jump shooters as of a couple weeks ago. And... He's 20 years old. He's shooting 45% from one of the corners, 45% from the top of the key, 30 from the other corner, and 31 and 47 from the wings. Which, Sam, interesting enough, you asked me yesterday, like, what was Jaron's strength? Where did he shoot the best from? So Kirk heard us talking up there in the stands of the forum, sent us out a nice, beautiful spray chart today. Yeah. So now we know. That top was, uh... of the key, left corner. He's money. Yeah, that was a, a kind of a funny thing I, I discovered today, like based on asking that question yesterday. It was because it, it, he, he's one of the guys that has now reached the level of when he shoots the ball, I fully expect it to go in. There aren't a lot of guys I feel that way about in the league right now with, with Steph out and Clay out. Uh, I mean, Harden's one. Um, gosh, who, who else is one? Like Bogdanovich maybe? But Buddy Heald? I don't know. Like Not a lot of guys, but Jaren's one of them. Yeah, he's putting up over six threes a game at 40%. Last year, he put up two and a half at 35%. So, I mean, just incredible strides. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we even get a ha- half of that jump every year until he's in his prime at 27, 28, then he's going to be like a 50% three-point shooter at a ridiculous volume. Yeah. Um, but, you know, inevitably he'll fall off at some point, but man, dude. He's playing with a confidence now that someone's inspired in him, and I don't know who, but whoever it was, shouts to you. 
Yeah, I mean, all that red on Kirk's uh, little graph thing, you, you don't need to say anything more than that. Like, shit's impressive what he's yeah. doing. A great, a great compliment to Ja, who likes to drive and kick. And, uh, I mean, honestly, he, he gets Jaron open. Like, Ja just does a great jo- job of driving at your defender and making them make a decision. And if, if they don't commit to stopping Ja, he's going to score. If they do commit to stopping Ja, he's going to get it to you. So you better be ready to let it, let it fucking fly. Yeah, the the Jaron, I think one of the the top of the key percentage is so high because often we run so many kind of uh, dribble handoffs to him or like shovel passes when he's a trailer, uh, yeah. and so he takes that shot at the top of the key while his while his man who's going to guard him is still in the paint expecting him to take his proper yeah. quote quote unquote proper spot as the four or five depending on the lineup we're playing. So he shoots a lot of threes as the trailer, and I, I feel like those are the ones that I'm most confident in. He makes so many of those. Uh, and I mean, that's fantastic when he's probably on the defensive end, having made a big play, we're out running and then he's trailing and then, you know, Josh shovels it to him for a three. So he gives him that opportunity to make that two way impact, which is the, the unicorn style of basketball that he plays. Yeah. yeah. And those are huge momentum plays too. Yeah. When he blocks when he, a shot he, and then yeah. they're out running and he comes back for the shovel pass to the three. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a backbreaker. You know, it's a five point swing. Um, and then I feel like after that, he has a couple more big plays. I mean, that just, he loves that play. Like he loves that, that trailing three. Yep. Uh, foul issues kind of turtle heading a little bit these last couple games. Uh, you guys have been at those games. Y'all worried about the fouls coming back? Nah, the, the, the mood has sort of swung. Like it's not as he doesn't seem as affected by it. I don't know how it looks on TV, but it really doesn't feel that way in the stadium. Um, I don't anticipate it ever like, causing us to win or lose a game like I was at the beginning of the season. Uh, and I think his attitude towards us has been entirely different. And frankly, they're just not calling him the same way. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if like he started to get more respect from the officials or, or what, but yeah. he's not getting rooked anymore. Like he really is. I mean, sometimes he legitimately is like, he, he can't just wall up. Like he has to bring his arms down. Um, yeah. Anytime. One thing that Zach and I noticed was that anytime he's like defending a guy, like face to face, you know, the guy's facing up on him and drives at him. That's when he gets most of his fouls. But if he's, if he gets beat, he, he almost always makes the right decision, whether it be like just kind of letting the guy score without fouling or blocking the shot from behind. Um, Cause timing's way better from behind uh, when he's like either chasing down a block or like coming from behind his guy who's laying it in and just like putting his long ass arms up there. But when the guy's coming at him, he feels the need to like, I don't know, bring his arms down. It's, it's clearly a reflex thing, which will, I hope it gets better with time. Are you yeah. worried about it? Uh, no. Nah. He, he, he does literally lead the league in personal fouls with 173. I noticed that. <laughs> hey, at least he ain't missed a lot of games. <laughs> no. You Not know, far behind him is Dylan, but it doesn't seem – like when Dylan gets yeah. in foul trouble, it doesn't seem to impact his game at all. He like, nah. still plays the same, and he – yeah, he, he like stays in there. Jenkins doesn't pull him out, uh, which – he kept him in after he got his fifth foul the other day, and Jaron kind of regained some confidence. <laughs> Dylan's like the type of dude you got to fight at the rec center because, like, he just hacking too hard. Like, you're like, bro, chill out, and then he just hits you one more time, and like, you just drop the ball and swing on him. Like, that's <laughs> that's all, all you can do with those guys. <laughs> yeah, he, he seems like a pest out there. Uh, the the thing about the only worrisome thing about Jaron is that John Jaron is still basically playing like you know tops thirty minutes a game. 
Um, they're playing a lot of, you know, 28, 26-minute games. Uh, Jai, we've seen his minutes increase a little bit. But, you know, for those that don't know, the usual NBA starter minutes, kind of the superstar minutes and the minutes we eventually want to see them play around 36 to 38 a game. Um, so it would matter if Jaren's playing that much. He's probably fouling out half the games he plays in. Oh, uh, yeah, well, so his... if we want him to play the minutes we need him to play to be a, a team that we can be, he really does have to figure that out. But he's 20. His three-point jump has made it, you know, an insane jump, so we can feel good about that. We'll see. I mean, it's something to monitor, right? It's, it's by far yeah. his biggest flaw. So that's something that we'll focus on as fans. Yeah, his per 36 uh, personal fouls are 5.3. So he would yeah. essentially foul out <laughs> most games if that were the case. Yeah, that's like you round it up or round it down, right? So, like, that's 50-50 almost. Yeah, so uh, looking forward to the rest of the season before All-Star break and, and beyond. Uh, which teams behind us scare you the most, Zach, in this playoff race for eighth? Uh, for eighth, let's see, I'm looking right now. Really, it it could be the Pelicans. Just after seeing Brandon Ingram go off against the Jazz the other day, that was a pretty – Pretty impressive performance, and they got Holiday back, and he already went off against us. Uh, you know, who, Zion's like the wild card. You know, he could push him over the edge, but right now they're three and a half games back of us. Really, not that far, like we talked about. Only three wins behind us. Uh, so that that Pelicans team kind of scares me. What about you, Sam? Yeah, Pelly's and then the Spurs, too. I mean, you can't ever count out Pop, and um, they have two vets on on the team that are you know changing their game. We, we saw LaMarcus Soldier start bombing from three once he realized there was a line out there that gave him more points. And <laughs> so, that you know, they're – I mean, I'll, 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 until they miss the playoffs, which they have in, like, fucking two decades, you know, smart money says, why would they do it miss again? Um but, yeah, the Pelicans looked like every bit as good of a team as we thought they could be versus us, certainly as good as us, and that was before they got their, you know, their, their superstar rookie back um, who probably will have to play back into, uh, into shape and you know, play back into effectiveness. But at some point he's going to be a factor, and uh, we can only assume a positive one. So no love for the uh, Suns or Blazers from either of you? Don't Not believe about- don't believe in either of those. No, don't believe in the Suns. Don't believe in the Kings. Um, the the Blazers. I, I I think if they make a move uh, before this trade deadline, that 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 shit. I don't know what that looks like, but shakes them up because whatever's working now or whatever's doing now is not working. Um, then maybe, but I really just I'm not scared of the Blazers for some reason. Yeah, I don't have faith in the Suns. I just don't think that they're. <laughs> I don't think they're built to be a playoff team. They have to have a, so many things go right for them and so many guys play really well. I don't see that happening. That's how the season started, but here we are sitting halfway through and they're seven games under 500. Yeah, it's don't play any defense. You know, they, they, whereas us in our, in our kind of like streak, we were, I think, 14th in defensive efficiency and top 10 in offense. So it's not like we were just winning because we were scoring a shit ton of points, albeit we were. You know, we were also playing – you know, top half of the league defense. And I don't know if the Suns have ever been out of the bottom, you know, bottom five teams. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Dame, Dame could get hot enough to carry the team to eighth. This that is, He did just come off taking a team to the Western Conference Finals pretty much. and But it, that will depend on, like you said, any impending moves. A, a lot of the uh, Blazers writers and bloggers seem to say that they were, like, throwing in the towel when they traded uh, Tolliver and whoever they just traded to Sacramento to get Trevor Ariza. And, Ken Bazemore. Yeah, Ken Bazemore. That's who I was looking for. Yeah. So, and Trevor Ariza is not Trevor Ariza from four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, so it's not like the trade we were we were hoping to make during the grit and grind days, you know. It's basically a money-saving move for Portland, and that they still need to shed some uh, salary to get under the luxury tax. So, so they might not be, but Dame is probably the best player on any of the teams and the most capable of getting hot. But yeah, the Pelicans, man, I, th- I think they're going to be good. Brandon Ingram is turning into a superstar. So, and they're, they're just deep, man. They got a lot of players. Yeah. They have the Chris Vernon old adage, you know, that they have a lot of guys that don't suck. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, inevitably like when you could throw, roll out nine guys in a rotation that are solid NBA players and, you know, played the, all those years in the Lakers with got all those minutes of experience. Um, you know, yeah. you, you see what happened. Like they, they just played really well. And you know, the NBA is clamoring for the Zion leads Pelicans to. Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the narrative is writing itself. Like, and so any sort of like any sort of a ref ref uh, sort of situations I could see happening. And I, w- yeah. I would assume that Zion's going to get a very favorable whistle uh, when he, the second he, his foot touches the court. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm pretty cynical about the whole the, the Zion being champion before he's actually played anything thing. But yeah. I believe we still have a three matchups with them. So you kind of we can take care of our own with them. Uh, I know. We yeah, we'd like to like, get the, t- the tiebreakers. With, the tiebreakers with these teams become very important. Like the all of the teams we just named. I mean, we I think yeah. that the, those are of critical fucking importance this year, whereas some of the years past, not as much. But yeah, I mean, I think those games become huge, those games versus those teams, uh, which makes it more fun for us uh, as, as spectators. Mason, have you gone through uh, Grizzlies opponents and their rankings or their uh, win percentages uh, through the All-Star I, break? I did. So there's 11 games before the All-Star break, uh, and four of those games are against teams above 500. So I think we got Boston, Denver, uh, and then two more. And uh, – Seven of those 11 games are on the road, so but they're against below 500 teams. So this is kind of where we're going to figure out what we're really made of. Was this a winning streak of Mirage, or is it we have we actually built on something? Uh, you know, we saw what happened when shots didn't fall against the Pelicans. They took advantage, albeit they are better than some of these teams. But we get to play them in New Orleans, New Orleans. I mean, them in Portland before the. Uh, all-star break. So that's two huge games. Uh, Yeah. So 11 games before the all-star break, this feels like a swinging point of the season where we either pick up some wins on the road and maybe knock off one or two of these uh, playoff teams, or we see our our dive back down in the standings as some of these other teams start to make their run. Yep. It's a good time to see uh, what we're made of. Like you said, all right, guys, anything else? Oh, man. Cool. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. You can find us on the Barnburner Podcast Network, 
on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Also, check out the-barnburner.com, and you can find articles and more podcasts around basketball, movies, and so much more. Until next time, see you later. Go Grizzlies. Automatic cook up, be rich, pull up in that rooster till we wake up, wake up, put up. Got all these pounds.